Hi, readers. I'm Jordan. And I'm Katie. And welcome to Not Another Heroine, the podcast where we break down the best and worst fictional heroines, those swashbuckling ladies who have to work a little harder than expected for their happy ending. This week, it's time to review our heroine in a Q&A session better titled, We'd Rather Read the Fan Fiction. Before we dive into our Q&A slash gossip slash hate fest on this book, yeah. <laughs> I, I am super excited for our next book, which yes. is The Elf Tangent by Lindsay Berker. This was Katie's pick, and I'm super excited because I've never read anything by this author. I have read a couple of books, I think like two of her like main series. Um, she's an indie author. I think she's from... Arizona or Washington or something but like her books always have like really interesting dynamic main characters who are like normally very sure of themselves but like are like I don't need a man like I got everything I need right here and then it's like oh but you that don't man's kind of like nice <laughs> <laughs> I love it and they're always like very educated women which I appreciate reading I'm even more looking forward to this mm -hmm. and yeah. the other note about this book is I, I guess this author has a very long series or very multiple series that are mm -hmm. like seven or eight books. Yeah. This one is a standalone. Yes. So it's very low threat, very, you know, you could just read it in a couple days and that's all you need to do. It's not a full investment. That is my kind of book. Are you afraid books. of commitment? Then <laughs> yeah. Read with us. A standalone. The F-Tangent. <laughs> and it's also free on Kindle Unlimited if you have that. And if you don't, I think it's only like $3.99 or $4.99 on Amazon. So very reasonable, not one of those like fourteen ninety nine Kindle books, no, and you're like, I don't even not get a copy like our of this. last book. <laughs> yes, yeah, which, which is, is rather expensive. Mm -hmm. Which is this book. Mm, yeah, <laughs> so the Stardust Thief. Are I'm just going to shoot you the very first question. That works. Would you read another book by this author? Why or why not? I don't know. I. So we've talked about this before, and I think in some of the other episodes we mentioned it too. Um, I feel like she didn't have a editor um, in this to like add in some of that emotional depth and connection. And so if she got like a new editor or someone that like really, you know, could walk her through um, the author, that's who I'm saying by her, uh, but who could walk Chelsea Abdullah through kind of like some of that character development, how to make like buy in with your readers, maybe. Um, but I don't, I don't feel any of that like crazy, like, oh my God, I need the second book. Like yeah, there, there is none of that. <laughs> there are certain books that I know I've read that I'm like, why isn't the next book out yet? Like, mm -hmm. and I will be checking, you know, I'll, I'll like wait constantly. For the, I'll wait for the release date to change by some sort of magical miracle. Yep. <laughs> like, oh, maybe they'll move it up six months yep. and it'll be out. I put notifications in my phone calendar, mm -hmm. like this book releases and I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> there was, there was a book I read last year, I think, um, I think it's another, I think the author's Ishtar. Do you, oh, what's, what's her name? Uh, I know who you're talking about. Uh, yeah. Uh, Intisar? Kanani? Thorn? I don't know why I got Ishtar. So Intisar. Yeah. Intisar. Oh, it's because it's all caps on the book cover. So it does look like Ishtar. Mm -hmm. um, Intisar Kanani. Loved it. Thorn. Yeah. Mm -hmm. We might need to come back and reread re that one. That was a phenomenal book. Oh, yeah. I gave it five stars, which mm -hmm. I'm kind of like, 
uh, you get a five star, you get a five star. <laughs> but I feel like it does still mean something when I give a book five stars. So Thorn by Intisar Kanani, The Dauntless Path, book it, number one. It says something about how much we did not enjoy the current book <laughs> we're, that we we're, were like, talking about a completely different one in our Q&A episode. We're like plugging all these other books. Um, but yeah, no, that one was really good. Where were you going with that though? Oh, as as far as books that I was oh exciting yeah yeah she's another series that she started that i yeah i always get her confused with um her last name is like uh i don't think it's chibani but um, like the yogurt (laughs) yeah but it's it's like ch something uh chibani oh checkerboardy maybe uh I can't say that name because it's a long one, but I can picture it on the book. Yeah, because I, I know exactly. It's like a white cover and it has, um, I feel like there's kind of been like a, not a resurgence, but uh, like a tidal wave of Middle Eastern authors that are writing these fucking like bomb ass fantasy books. Because um, yeah, the last one, she's Iranian, maybe. Um, oh, Intisar. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, some of these books are like bomb as heck. And it's nice too because the base of them, um, and I will say that for The Stardust Thief too, the base kind of uh, quintessential stories that like all stories kind of stem from aren't Western stories. And so it's it's like something like new and it's like, oh, I haven't seen this done 8,732 times. That was the refreshing (laughs) aspect of this particular Mm -hmm. book is it was just, it was new. And there's a lot of new ideas and themes. Probably not new, right? Mm-hmm. It's just unfamiliar. Yeah. Not like uh, mainstream mm-hmm. is the word I'm looking for. Yeah. Because the author is Kuwaiti American. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I I appreciated that. It was fun. It was refreshing. But I just wish, again, that there was more character depth. And so if she did that in her next book, I would think about it. But I don't have that like crazy, overwhelming excitement. Like, oh, my God, I need the second book right now. None of that. Yeah. Um, it's kind of a bummer, especially when, when you invest in a book this long, too. Yeah, because it was 470, 460. Yeah. Somewhere well, in that. Well, with the Sarah J. Moss books, like yeah. those are hefty. Yeah. And right, I was not a huge fan of Akatar, mm-hmm. but the second book made it worth it. Oh, yeah. And it's, uh, I will say, though, that, you know, I think we've talked about it on the podcast a couple of times, but we're not like the biggest Sarah J. Mass fans, but they're, they're good. Mm-hmm. Like she has more, um, like nuanced, like her, her characters have a little bit more depth and the pacing is a lot better. Yes. Yeah. So they're fun to read. Um, but this one was kind of like difficult to this read. This was a slog. Yeah. Um, so that kind of leads us into our other question. Um, so I'm going to modify it slightly. What characters made this a little bit easier to read? Or like what characters were, you know, like not worth it, but like worth it. Oh, easy. Aisha. (laughs) Oh, yeah, totally. Aisha (laughs) slash Queen of the Dunes Mm -hmm. and then Kadir. Yeah, I would say that. But Kadir, even even Kadir is kind of, I liked his history and his whole, the potential for another book that centers more around him mm. because now that we know he is the king of mm-hmm. the gen like he's this all-powerful dude and he's got some sort of potential romantic relationship with luli mm-hmm. if we're reading that the right way <laughs> if we're reading that the right yeah. way, we, it's like is he dad or daddy because <laughs> we were really, we really wanted to like omar and we saw how that ended mm-hmm. <laughs> um yeah yeah but aisha for sure mm-hmm. and she could have 
maybe she'll have her own book one day. That would be nice. I would probably, if that was the book, I would read it, I think. I think, though, that her arc is going to be her and Mazen, if I were to guess. I could see that, because they do have that point um, later in the book. Oh, that stupid quote that I, like, okay, so I brought this up to Katie Ehrlich because it ticked me off so much, where, like, she's got all of these markings on her arms and stuff, and Mazen is staring at them, and she tells him, quote, my eyes are up here. Oh, yeah. Dude. Yeah. I cannot stand, this is a this is a me, this is a Jordan pet peeve in books, where yeah. you have this very beautiful kind of old world setting, mm-hmm. and then they throw in some modern bullshit dialogue like yeah. that just to like catch it's jarring the, it's jarring and it's like oh it's like oh a, a token for our young readers mm-hmm. who like who need that because also it was out of character out of character for mazen mm-hmm. like it came out of left field i was like that's not even believable like maybe if he was some kind of like very flirtatious like you know uh not seedy um there's a word for it like yeah. not suave but just like a ladies' man. It's like, okay, that would have fit in his character. But he's like a softie. He's bumbling. <laughs> you know, in the beginning of the book, it seemed like they were trying to shape him up to be a suave ladies' mm-hmm. man character. And then it fell off and he turned into this bumbling oaf of a dude who doesn't yeah. know how to do anything. Yeah. And it's like, again, there is a time and place for those characters, especially when they have this like character art coming to Jesus moment where they're like, okay, like maybe I need to actually learn to be good at something because I want to help. Like I'm tired of being helpless. And he, like, kind of has that moment towards the end of this, but, like, not really. Like, he's just, like, totally content being a fucking, like, incompetent dude the whole time. Like, no thoughts. And it's, like, I'm supposed to, like, commiserate with this man. Every time his POV popped up as the next chapter, I just... That's when I took a break to play Stardew Valley. Oh, my God. (laughs) Yep. I just wanted it over with. I powered through. Mm -hmm. I... mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, so he's obviously like the anti of this question. Like, yeah, but <laughs> if we could eliminate anyone, and he mm-hmm. would have been so much better as a character if we never got his POV. That came yeah. up in another episode. I could see that. Yeah, if we just didn't have to suffer through that, I would be a little bit more interested in what he's got going on. But we got like, there's not much internal monologue going on with these characters. But what we do get is mostly Mazen, and it's all, oh, I'm a coward. Oh, I'm weak. Oh, I can't do yeah. anything. Oh, like, oh, Omar's such a badass. It's exhausting. Yep. It's like, I need something a little bit more interesting to read mm-hmm. about your character. <laughs> We're not trying to turn you away from this book. You, no. You might Mm-mm. like this book. We did not. Yeah. Because we, we talked about that, you know, like off... Not off the record, because that sounds like we're like snazzy reporters or something, but before we started recording. Come on. (laughs) True. In our hearts. Um, But I feel like Mazin um, lost my train of thought. What were we even talking about? Well, that's exactly spot on for Mazin. He just forces you to just like, oh, what was going on again? What was happening? But okay, little secondary question for you. Yeah. We are a show about heroines, Mm. and we spend all of our time not talking about the main heroine of this story. That tells you everything you need to know. Mm. If Aisha was the main character of this, I would have loved this book. We have this, like, uh, person, this girl who's kind of, like, mad at the world, is, like, uh, thorny. I feel like that's a word that most people, like, don't really She's use. She's like a hedgehog. Yeah. But, like, maybe, like, a little bit tender on the inside. But, like, she's kind of a bitch to everyone else. Mm-hmm. Like, 
Love it. Absolutely love you it. You and she I has, can both relate to that. Kind yeah. Of yeah. And she has these like cute little moments with Omar where she's like, I am loyal to you and I'm going to like give it off as if it's because, you know, you saved me th- from the streets. But like, I'm not going to admit to myself or anyone else that like, maybe I feel a little bit of like weird loyalty to you, like loyalty to you as a person and not just because you saved me. And like, that, that has so much motherfucking potential. Like, are you kidding me? But and instead goes, we have Luli. Luli. And Luli's not bad. She was promising at the beginning. Yeah. Because she was kind of like spunky and like uh, snarky and proud of being the Midnight Merchant. And like, I'm the Midnight Merchant. And it's like, okay, I can get behind that. And then it fizzled out. We only get to, get to see her be the Midnight Merchant once. That's true. Or twice. Sorry. The first scene and then the scene in the market when the guards come in. Yeah. And that's it. And then it's like, that's just a persona that we like don't really know anything else about. Yeah. Except she's supposed to be this really Like everyone knows her. Yeah. This businesswoman that's renowned throughout the country as the Midnight Merchant. Mm -hmm. And instead she just turns into this kind of, oh, Kadir, he's here to save me. I suck at everything. Like that's the. Yeah. It's like, how did you become the midnight merchant and like fight all these ghouls like allegedly, but Kadir is doing all that. Yeah. So in that, that whole I suck mentality. Mm. Okay. We all like to wallow, right? Yes. Okay. We've all been there, but this character does nothing but, oh, I can't do anything. Oh, I'm weak. Oh, I'm going to try, but I still sucked at trying at it. Yeah. I think that was Mazin's problem too. It was like between Ugh, the two of no them, they couldn't get through. weren't good at anything, which again, it's fine. It's reasonable. Like not everyone, you know, not all heroines are going to be these like super powered, amazing at everything, but like have some like personality to back that up. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, maybe I'm not good at anything, but I'm going to be snarky as hell about it. And maybe like a little like self, you know, cutting about it. Like I am not good at these things and everyone laughs, but it's like, there's none of that. Not- it's just very... I wish the the book, uh, the little synopsis on the book cover had mm. included Aisha on it I could because see we get slightly less time with her, mm-hmm. but it feels like we know her more as a heroine. Why do you think that is? I don't know. Maybe it's a buildup for the trilogy. Like maybe there's going to be more Aisha time in book two and three. I could see that. Well, um, no, I mean, like, why do you think she's a stronger heroine than Luli? Oh, that's a great question. I know. I said that because I need a filler so I can think about it. Because um, <laughs> I think it might be because we have these tidbits where she's forced to be vulnerable and she actually has a reasonable response to them. That's fair. The scene where she's doing the henna on mm-hmm. her arms in her in her apartment, basically. And That's then, exactly what I was thinking. Yeah. Yeah, we, we get more glimpses into into Aisha's personality. So it may it may very well be not that she's a better or stronger heroine than Luli. It's just that we know her better yeah. as a character. She has like a stronger personality almost. Because mm-hmm. I love, I still think back to it. Like there's two scenes with her and Omar. Like there's the one in her apartment where she's like, what the fuck are you doing here? And he's like, ha look at this bangle. And she's like, you're a fucking idiot. But like, okay, fine, I'll do whatever you want because I like maybe love you, but I'm not going to tell anyone. And then the one earlier when they're in the um, Sultan's palace 
and uh he they're like whispering to each other like, oh he pulls her into like a water closet yeah not a, not a water closet <laughs> are you british, <laughs> british. Uh, put, like a coat closet or something like yeah that. and it's like they have this like cute little interaction like those are the two things and again they're towards the beginning but so you kind of like immediately get all you're gonna get and that's it but um it's just these like interactions that are like funny and like personable and you get what you need from them Mm -hmm. maybe we talked about this with sarah j moss books kind of off mic Mm -hmm. in the sense that for example akatar and a court of mist and fury are like read like they're meant to be a duology like you shouldn't read one without starting the other and it makes me wonder if the author actually has written the entire trilogy already because this Mm. this is meant to be like part one instead of a standalone book i could see that and we're supposed to work for our investment Mm -hmm. in these characters i could see that too i just wish so if that was like we're you know um forecasting into the future a little bit but if that was the case i would wish that the editor had gone back and cut down so much of this book there was so much filler in here like the whole scenes with with ahmed that was a pointless Mm mm-hmm like device yeah unless you are going to actually put in the work to develop him and make us as the readers like him Mm -hmm. because again the whole vibe i got is this like very superficial person and it didn't help that mazin's like he was the only one that had any real interactions with him Mm -hmm. like the author was telling us like oh yeah luli always stops by and they have all these like cute little moments but it's like you didn't give me any of those moments so like why do i think that they have cute moments you put this beautifully before we started which is that the author is always telling us the, mm. the main points rather than showing us yeah and that's this entire book to it mm-hmm. yep it's like i need to be kind of like uh give me one of those flashback moments where you know you feel the tension and you're like oh okay like this is why i'm struggling through this book and like you know, supporting you as you go through these adventures. It's because I have some kind of emotional attachment to you instead of you just telling me that you had these experiences. Like, okay, cool. (laughs) Yeah. It's, it was, it was rough. Mm -hmm. On that note. Yeah. I, I love this next question for you. (laughs) And it kind of clues into the title of our episode. That it does. If you were to write fan fiction about this book, (laughs) uh, what kind of story would you want to tell? So I think it would be super fun to have this in like an alternate universe where all your characters are the same, but they're in like a present day kind of situation. And Kadir and Luli are like archaeologists and they have like all these like like snazzy comebacks, almost like an Indiana Jones, like... They're trying to find all of these like relics that may or may not be enchanted. Like you could make it some like urban paranormal, whatever. But like it's more present day and they're archaeologists and you get, I think that would force it to be focused more on dialogue because there's less interesting aspects to talk about instead of like there's less ghouls and villains. And yeah, it's like, no, you need to focus on like these characters being people I want to read about. I think that's the kind of like fan fiction because then you could get like a whole Ahmed like, you know, spinoff between Luli and him where it's like, why do they like each other? Because you really have not. And they in fact realize that they don't like each other. Yeah. And then there's some kind of like emotional come to and then like Aisha and Omar is their own kind of. Oh, my God. This would be like a saga. 
Okay, so as like an evil villain side story, Aisha, Aisha Jin with Omar Evil Sultan, like oh, yeah. rooting for the bad guys kind of fun. Uh huh. Anti hero. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I love it. <laughs> it's funny because I feel like we're so excited about it because we've maybe a little bit seen the potential in their characters mm-hmm. and we're like, um, we like the idea of these characters. Yeah. And so we're kind of like except conflating. For yeah. Except Malzin. And we're kind of conflating our brain reality with real reality because frankly no work has been really done on these characters but we like see the potential and they're like oh my god like they could be together and they have these like horrible evil moments but it's like you love them together we're seeing the potential there but none of that was really done and we i want that to be clear (laughs) we recognize how um Okay, so we say that there's no work done on these characters. We do recognize that this is a 160-page oh, yeah. <laughs> novel. Yes. A lot of work was length. <laughs> done into it. And again, there are plenty of people who loved this book, who enjoyed this book, yeah, who will like this book. Yeah. So. Yeah. Work done as in emotional investment mm-hmm. written so that the reader feels emotionally obliged mm-hmm. to this person. Yeah, that's what I mean by work. We're talking about like therapy work. That's true. That's a very distinct <laughs> yeah. difference. Yeah, you got to put the work in. <laughs> I want to feel a little emotion when I'm reading something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Otherwise, it's like, why am I reading this? Because I think we've talked about it before, but we read fantasy romance to escape. Mm-hmm. I want a little break from real life. I want to feel what other characters are feeling, you know, experience what they're experiencing. And with this, I just feel like I was being told events. Yeah, that's actually, that's perfect. We were told a bunch of events that happened. Great. That's kind of cool. Great as a script, Mm -hmm. as a Netflix adaptation, but Mm. maybe that's around the corner. I could see that. Do you think it would be better as a Netflix series? Oh, definitely. Yeah. There was a lot of moments that felt like Netflix-y. Like you can imagine how it'd look on screen. And we talked about doing a book that has been adapted already. Mm, like a, yeah, into a movie. A uh, Shadow and Bone. Yes. Mm-hmm. So maybe that's in our future. Well, That'd be fun. Mm-hmm. And then we could watch the movie and then compare it to, does the book do it justice or did it need that it like- Rarely does. <laughs> actor eye contact, you know, uh, making love through their eyes moment. <laughs> <laughs> that Everyone knows what I'm talking deep. about. Yep. No, I know. Yep. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, last question then. Uh, if there were any twists or big reveals, how believable were they? It, they were all, there was tons of twists. There was lots of big mm-hmm. reveals. Most of them were towards the end. They were all believable, mostly because you just didn't care that much. <laughs> yeah, right? you're like, okay, that checks out. <laughs> we said this in the last episode. We both skimmed the second half of this book, and we had intended to break it up into two parts. We would have a four-part like synopsis series of this book. Mm-hmm. We just didn't care enough to do it. We just nope. wanted to finish this. We really wanted to start the next book. Yep. So we rushed through it, and all of these big reveals, like uh, Kadir being the Jinn King mm-hmm. and Omar being the bad guy. Like, I was just indifferent. Yeah, we just didn't care. So, yeah, believable, I suppose, because it wasn't a super huge shock to the reader. I think the only thing that kind of maybe surprised me was Kadir's line, because... Oh, about him being the like big bad yeah. Jin King? Because he played yeah. such a minor role. Yeah, I could see that. Because it's like, why didn't he help more? Because mm-hmm. Luli still got fucked up. 
multiple times. Yeah. And it's like, if you're the big gin king, you couldn't have stopped that. Yeah. Anyways. Um, yeah. Uh, I also feel like Omar's mom being a gin was not unbelievable, but it's like, you need to put in some... There needs to be more explanation here. <laughs> like explain how like Omar and his mother interacted. Yeah. And how did the Sultan get bamboozled? Or even how Omar killed Mazen's mom. Yeah. Some kind of emotional turmoil here. I would have loved a flashback of the Sultan falling in love with the djinn. Mm-hmm. Or even that is its whole own story. Because that has interesting... Oh, please tell me, forbidden love? But then it, it kind of undermines the follow-on story with Mazen's mom, Shafia. Oh, that is true. Like, how does that work? Yeah, because if he fell in love with her... That's why he went on a murderous rampage killing all his wives. Yeah. I'm squinting. She's squinting guys- <laughs> hard. Again. It's one of those, like, wait It's a causing second. me to sink into my chair a little bit more. <laughs> avoiding eye contact at this point. Because why... Okay, well, there's my unbelievable moment. Well, okay, they did explain that the reason the Sultan murdered all his wives is because he believed his first dead jinn wife was, like, possessing them. Oh. Which is weird. Like, that's another completely side note that they could have dived down. So, again, um... If you're going to say something that crazy, like, you gotta give me a flashback of why the Mm -hmm. Sultan was so in love with this djinn. Because, again, like, that's... All of the characters, I think, throughout this book have had moments where, like, that's weird, that's suspicious, that feels djinn-like. so much that happened. Oh, we did we talk about this? I think we might have skimmed over this part in episode eight. Mm -hmm. The fact that the 40 thieves Mm -hmm. are djinns. Yeah. They're banished djinns who left the djinn underworld and started <laughs> killing other djinns. I don't think that we even brought that Surprise, up. we did not talk um, about that at all. <laughs> yeah, okay. That was out of left field. Yeah. That's unbelievable. Oh, uh, mm, one, one more note. This mm-hmm. kind of, this annoyed me as a reader because I mm. thought it was super gratuitous. Yeah. It was the scene in that last city, Gab. Oh, Gabon. Gabon, where a hunter, they're like, Mazen is in the marketplace telling a story. They yeah. hear a commotion. And out of nowhere, this little boy is shot in the back with an arrow and then brutally murdered in the middle yeah. of a marketplace because he was a little gin child. Yeah. That was completely gratuitous and yeah. out of nowhere. Again, I feel like it was one of those moments that that was supposed to build emotional, like, oh, my God, they're just killing people. But it's like, I don't. None of the characters, Luli, Mazen, none of them reacted, really. Mm-hmm. Because that could have been a moment to have one of them have some kind of PTSD moment where that was really an emotional, uh, you know, swell for mm-hmm. them. And it caused them to question everything. And you go through this mental kind of gymnastics with them as they figure out, why am I doing this? Why do I care about this? Why is this so fucked up for me? But you didn't get any of that. No. They just watched it happen. And then, yeah. On another note, I have mm-hmm. one more one more scene that I really, really did yeah. not like. When they were describing, uh, fill in the name for me, that city, Gab, uh, Gabon? Gabon. Gabon. Yeah. They described the city as having this endless, like, waterfall water source. Mm, mm-hmm. And it was created by hanging the bodies of hundreds of dying djinns upside yeah. down on a cliff. And that caused this endless waterfall. 
I get this world setting and that it's supposed to be this awful yeah. genocide type environment with, mm. between the, the humans and the gins, but that's a bit extreme. Like the dialogue, which seemed kind of childish at times, mm -hmm. um, what very little dialogue we got yeah. was in sharp contrast to these very graphic, vivid descriptions. Yeah. Because again, like we were just talking about this, you have these very emotional moments that should be forcing some kind of reaction from the characters, but we don't get anything in response. Like we might get a little bit of initial outrage, but there's no deeper thought, no deeper connection, no deeper monologue about anything. It's just kind of glossed over. And even, um, which I found a little bit frustrating because it was one of the more interesting points in this book, how relics are, you know, the souls containers for gin souls. Um, Luli has some moments where she's like, wow, this is kind of immoral and like my whole job is in question, but it's not anything more than two or three paragraphs. And never revisited. And then, yeah, it's it. It's like that would be a fundamental like emotional snap for me if my job was something that graphic and horrible and my best friend was a djinn. Like that is a emotional 180 point, and we did not talk about it. Well, and the fact that she realizes she's been carrying the soul of Kadir's girlfriend, lover, yeah. wife. We don't know quite what her role is. Yeah. It's like that should be something that at least makes you feel kind of like uncomfortable. Yeah. Like if I were Lily, would be like, I don't want to carry this anymore. Yeah, like, this is a person. Yeah. But nope, she's just like, okay, well, and this is a compass and anyway, and all the other things that we got going on. And that's it. And it sucked because I felt like that was a very potentially heavy moment that could flip, turn this book around, have all kinds of emotional connections, and it just got missed. This book, I think, lost it for us right around the halfway point where we stopped. I would originally. say that. Because um, I felt pretty okay about the book for the first like 25, 30%, I would say. Mm -hmm. And then it kind of started to slog. And I think someone in the reviews, I wish I had written down who had written like written this review. Um, but they said that they said they wished that some of the re big reveals at the end had been sprinkled through the book so you could get through some of that middle slog. And I 100% agree with that because it felt like the last even our episode episode eight in that last like 10 minutes of us talking through the plot it was all of these like big truth bombs and it's like that was a hundred pages of plot that we <laughs> yeah. went through and it's like you kind of like sprinkled those through the middle when it was kind of like slogging mm -hmm. and i was bored like and it would have helped the reader kind of put some of the puzzle pieces together yeah like, instead of being like just a slap across the face mm -hmm. all of a sudden here's how everything is like here's a clue here's a clue oh yeah. wait i wonder if this is gonna happen oh wait it does happen like there's a formula for a reason and yeah there was no formula here um it was nice because i feel like immediately i knew that omer was going to try to overthrow the sultan yeah that whole like putting his own people in the palace guard thing yeah i feel like that could have been a little bit more subtle or but even given like reason why he felt that way it could have been a good like is this a good bad or neutral moment because mm. the sultan murdered a bunch of people and he has all of these awful policies yeah maybe omar as like a half-blooded jinn type is going to turn around some of them whoa that would be fun maybe that's book two yeah but that would be again another moment that we get insight into omar mm -hmm. of why is he going to kill his father like that's patricide 
that's kind of a big deal, especially when you've been living with him. It's not like you've been in exile for the past 25 years or whatever. Like you've been living with this person and you're just going to kill him. But when dad murders your mom. Yeah. But that's it. Like we don't, we hear about it, but we don't experience it as Omar or we don't experience it as Mazen thinking about Omar. It's just, he tells us like, you murdered my mom. And then- and now you're dead. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> it's interesting that she didn't kill Omar off in the end. Like That was surprising. She could have had them go venture into the Jin City and still had a plenty of story for book two. Mm-hmm. But it makes me wonder if Omar's got a bigger role to play. I would think so. Maybe even as like a plot device to make Mazen like grow and then he becomes Ugh, the sultan. I really don't then... even care if Mazen grows. I would prefer him not to grow so I can keep hating him. Yeah, I could see that. Well, no, I want him to grow just so he becomes a more interesting character <laughs> and his like point of views are easier to read. But I kind of also feel like Aisha and Omar aren't going to be endgame. No, that's not going to happen. Yeah, that's only like... in our fan fiction world. I know. <laughs> that's the other fan fiction I would write. I shouldn't know my love story. Will you, to will you write some fan fiction and we can review it anonymously here? Oh, my God. That's an emotional turmoil <laughs> point for me. <laughs> it would be fun. Um, hmm. Interesting. Food for thought there. Yep. I feel like we just had a, a, a life moment If we there. write fan fiction, you will never know it's us. Yeah. That's the crazy... Okay. So I think about tangent obviously i feel like the elf tangent being our next book is like (laughs) very spot on (laughs) but tangent moment i love the fact that you could talk to people on the street or just like talk to people in your office and you have no idea if that person is famous on the internet for writing fan fiction that that is like a sociological anthropology anthropology apologetical oh my god (laughs) i think i just threw in a bunch of extra syllables that was Uh, my favorite word so far uh anthropologetical (laughs) you know what i mean though it's like a sociological like exercise is fascinating to me because there could be people that have like these huge online presence for writing like some like crazy ass smut weird fan fiction about characters on tv and you would have no idea so we should test this I don't know. It feels like um, uh, the same with serial killers where like you could work. We just did a doctor. (laughs) Yeah, I'm not saying. Okay, let me get that very clear. Like I am not saying that serial killers and fanfic writing, like fanfic writers are the same, but you just don't know. Like it's always the people, you know, they interview their coworkers and it's like, he just seemed like a regular person, but he's a serial killer. And like, I always knew that something was a little bit off. It's the same with fanfic writers. You'd have no idea. This is the same woman who plays Stardew Valley and Animal Crossing. <laughs> uh, Stardew Valley, uh, Animal Crossing, and serial killer uh, Netflix documentaries. Fair. I am you need your average balance. white girl. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but fascinating. I love that as an idea. Huh. Yeah. Because it. I think it flies in the face of Instagram celebrity where, oh, where yeah. people like market off of themselves as a character. Like fan fiction authors are the exact opposite. All oh, of them. I never considered that, that yeah. before. That's I love that. It's a fun because I have heard that some of these fan fictions are novel length and like well written, well reviewed. So it's like they are basking in anonymity in a time and age where everyone wants to be famous. I I would be curious if anyone listening has a recommendation for a fanfic in our genre, like. That would be so much fun that we could read. Yes, I would. I would a hundred percent love it. Please, because they're not us. making any money either. Yeah, because it's characters copyrighted by someone else. 
So they are just doing it for fun. That does not exist in today's day and age I would, where everything is monetized. They're just doing it because they can't. What a fucking flex. <laughs> I, I haven't read fan fiction since I was a teenager. Oh, yeah. We all had that phase. Yeah. Like the awkward like 11 to like maybe like 17 age frame mm-hmm. where you're like, I love these TV shows and books. I want more. And there are fanfic writers waiting in the the margins of society. <laughs> waiting for their time to shine. Yeah, but not. They're like, yeah, I just like created this masterpiece. But like, my name's not on it. That's a pseudonym or whatever that mm-hmm. word is. Fascinating. I love that as a concept. Please give us a fanfiction to read. Yes. Mm-hmm. Fanfic? What is the... I, uh, fan Fanfic? <laughs> If you are wondering, we can't pronounce anything. Several, we always <laughs> struggle. There, um, real world's names, places. Nope, nope. <laughs> none of it. We're gonna keep struggling. So all of it get struggling. <laughs> <laughs> and our drinks have kicked in officially. Uh, yes, they have. We should probably close out. So yes. yep, from our shelf to yours. We'll see you on the next page, or the fanfic page. Who knows. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, readers. If you'd like to help us pick our next book, send us a message on Instagram. Or if you'd like to just listen, we post new episodes every Monday on Spotify, Amazon, or Apple Music. Thanks for listening.